It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, the, the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it is a Tuesday. And it's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer, Monica Ray, Big J journalist here on a Tuesday. It's good to have you in on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, absolutely loaded show today. Top 10 teams in the NFL. I do it every Tuesday. Uh, there's a lot of movement on that list that's coming up at noon. Uh, Speedy Petey comes on at 1230. We play one of the chances at the end of the show today. We do it every Tuesday. Uh, more, uh, good morning, Monica. How are you? You got me while I was drinking my coffee. Good morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no drinking coffee while we're on air, please. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Uh, here we go. I just want to begin with this. I'd like to begin today with a simple question. Why are we surprised when great players do great things? Can, can we stop pretending to be in shock when we see greatness? And it's, it's usually pretty easy to seek out. If, if you see something that just looks different, and, and more often than not, it's, it's repetitive, that, that means you're watching greatness. It's, it's pretty simple. If you see it, your eyes are not lying to you. I read a headline last night that read, Russell Wilson Seahawks. Shock Jimmy Garoppolo, 49ers in OT for first loss. Why are you shocked by that? This is Russell Wilson. The world shouldn't be shaking with confusion. I find it very hard to imagine that there are actually football fans that watched last night and went, What? That, that just doesn't make sense. It makes perfect sense. Russell Wilson went into San Francisco and beat the undefeated Niners. I'm, and I'm not surprised. This is Russell Wilson's eighth year in the NFL. He's officially a veteran and already a Hall of Famer in my book. What Russell Wilson has shown me throughout his career is his ability to elevate his team above expectations with among the best in league history. He's never had all-time great receivers or a great O-line, but, but the Seahawks have never been in the basement. Have we noticed that? This is why I felt comfortable with the Seahawks giving him $35 million a year. As long as you draft well, he can work with that talent. I, I mean, this is not a guy that needs a whole ton of surroundings to be, t- to be great. And he's showing that. They're 8-2. and two. And this is not an overly talented roster. They just have Russell Wilson. Okay, he's also shown me that he can win games he's not supposed to win. He's not supposed to win a Super Bowl in his third year and then go to another one in his fourth. He's not supposed to win games on the road against undefeated football teams with limited talent on both sides of the football, also when he's out coached. He's not supposed to win the job as a rookie third-rounder over a guy, Seattle, literally that offseason. Paid big money to to be their franchise quarterback, Matt Flynn. But he does anyway because he's great. That's what he's done his whole career. 
I watched the Seahawks win last night. Despite the fact that I originally picked the Niners to win. And I was saying to myself, that's that's Russell Wilson. This is what he does. He, He does things that people think won't happen. So why are we shocked? I get the Niners are uber talented and extremely well coached and have a dangerous front seven, and they were undefeated, and they were at home. But we can't act like this is extraterrestrial. We cannot act like this is sudden, something we haven't heard of before. We can say, hmm, uh, I thought the Niners had this one, but uh, guess I was wrong. But uh, nothing more. Yeah, we can't go out after the game last night and say, oh, my God. That took me for a tailspin. What a roller coaster. No, it shouldn't shock you at all. This is not a this is not a haunted house where you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. No, that's that's not what this is. I was thinking about this too. Can you name a team in the NFL that Russell Wilson wouldn't make better? I can't. He's an upgrade over everyone's quarterback. The Chiefs, the Patriots, the Packers, the Saints, the Texans, all of them. Imagine how good Dallas would be with Russell Wilson. And I like Dak. Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL. There's nobody I trust more with the keys to my Ferrari. I expect him to take my Ferrari for the night. And bring it back cleaner than when I gave it back to him. Not like Ferris Bueller. No. And that's exactly what he does. Big moments, middle of the game, consistency. If I need him to make a big play, I don't trust another quarterback in the league more than I trust Russell Wilson. Seattle is now 8-2 and two and are among the top five or so teams in the, in the NFL. So I'll ask again, why are we shocked? This is protocol for Russell Wilson to do stuff like this. You can't act surprised, but I'm going to lounge back and nod my head because this is exactly what he does. Russell Wilson goes on the road into an undefeated team's stadium, which has broken decibel records. And wins football games in overtime. You're shocked when he throws a pick in the end zone. Yeah, right. That's when you're shocked. That's when you're shocked. When he throws that pick in the end zone, you're thinking, oh, no, the game is over. San Fran's going to win. Right. But I'm not shocked that Russell Wilson went in and won that game. I'm not shocked that he scored 21 unanswered points after being down 10 nothing. I'm not shocked about that. Not even a little bit surprised because this is Russell Wilson, and that's what he does. You know okay. what? I'm shocked about your nice – shirt you got on today it's pretty snazzy yeah you like that i do yeah yeah i like it too apparently it's supposed to be a pajama shirt but i'm like you know what i'm just gonna wear this out yeah hey that's that's when you just go with it it looks good thank you is it ralph Lauren polo it is Uh, yeah it is beverly hills polo all right so i want to shift to this because here's another question why are we taking so long to buy into lamar jackson The, the guy is clearly a franchise quarterback the guy's clearly improving. 
After this week, he's now started a full year's worth of games. He made his 16th start against the Bengals this week. In those 16 games, have we noticed he's quietly gone 13-3? and He's lost to the Chiefs twice, both on the road, and then home against Cleveland this year. What more do you want? Oh, Mike, he can't throw the ball! He completes 66% of his throws. He's thrown 15 touchdowns and only five picks, and he's in the top 10 in quarterback rating. He can only use his legs. Uh, oh, yeah, that running thing, he's really good at that, too. Did you, did you see that spin move on Sunday? I mean, I, I was otherworldly. He can't beat good teams. <laughs> he, just, he just destroyed New England. What are we looking for? I found an interesting set of stats yesterday. It compares Lamar Jackson's first 16 games to other NFL greats. You ready for this to blow your mind? In the first 16 games of their careers. Okay, prepare yourself for this. Lamar Jackson has more wins than Patrick Mahomes, more rushing yards than LaDainian Tomlinson, a higher passer rating than Tom Brady, more yards per attempt than Aaron Rodgers, and a higher completion percentage than Drew Brees. Yeah, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Not bad for a running back, huh? Ser- I-, I told you, it would blow your mind. Yeah, he's got a higher completion percentage than the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. He's got a better quarterback rating than the winningest quarterback in NFL history. He's got more rushing yards than one of the best running backs in NFL history. Uh, and the most talented quarterback in NFL history. He's got more yards per attempt and probably the other most talented quarterback and the best young quarterback in the league. Yeah, he's got more wins. Um, you can tell yourself all you want that the kid isn't good, but you have to believe your eyes. There's no way you can watch Lamar Jackson and not be impressed. Okay, he's better in the open field than most running backs and throws a better deep ball than most quarterbacks. Stop trying to outsmart the room. Lamar Jackson is a legit NFL quarterback. Ask yourself, what will it take to convince you? What will it take to convince you? If you needed him to throw the ball better and more accurate, he's doing that both on the field and in the stat sheet. Yeah, he completed 58% of his throws this year, uh, last year. This year, he's at 66%. I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. I mean, he's, he's clearly improving as a thrower. What, what else you got? If you, if you want to see him run less, sorry, not going to happen. That's part of it. Well, you can't just you can't you can't take that away from him. You just can't. Right. When you, when you put when you set him in the open field and he starts running, it's electric. You're not and you can't you can't take that game away. Now, again, I'll keep saying it. The one thing I want him to do is slide, but it's just not going to happen. At this point, it's not going to happen. But they're not going to take that away from him. And you just can't. You really can't take that away from him. Right. If you Running do that, is- if you do that, if you do that, you're taking away not only a big part of Jackson's game, you're taking away a big part of your offense's game. Right. He's the He's the best running quarterback I've ever seen. Let him use it. Let him use it. You and I are in agreement that pocket guys last longer in this league. I think if Lamar's arm isn't sustainable, he'll last you until he's about 29 years old, and then he'll start to wear down. Like I said, pocket quarterbacks hit their prime at 30. Running, back, running quarterbacks exit their prime at 30. But 
if you can't see this kid's arm developing, I can't help you. That's on you. He's clearly getting more accurate and more poised. He's more comfortable. He's playing as a leader. And let's be honest, it isn't like he's loaded at wide receiver. Look, he has a nice receiver or two. I like Hollywood Brown, but... It isn't like he's Baker Mayfield with Odell and Jarvis Landry. It's a very tight. It's a very tight end oriented offense. Right. He's got Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. Boyle gets the ball. Hayden Hurst gets the ball. Andrews and Andrews is his yeah, number Nick one target. Boyle, uh, Nick Boyle in there too. It's and, a very tight end driven. But wide receiver, he's Hollywood Brown and uh, Willie Sneed. I, I mean, he's not loaded at all at wide receiver. I think Lamar Jackson proved again that he can win a Super Bowl in this league. It's clear as day that he's getting better every week, and he keeps giving you more reasons to love love him. He's a humble kid, and boy, is he fun to watch. Lamar is just, he's just unbelievable. I mean, Evan, when, Evan, when, when that spin move, when he ran in for a touchdown against Cincinnati, I mean, it was unbelievable. You don't see running backs the, do that. The thing is, though, right. when I watched it, I wasn't surprised because that, that's just who he is. No, I wasn't what, surprised that's either, what he, but I was like, oh, that's his my abilities. God. That's his ability. That's what he can do. As soon as he got to – once he gets to the open field, it's like you just know. Like, it's, hey, it's over. Well, you know he's got a shot at the end zone. You know he gets starts when he gets to the open field. You know he's got a shot at the end zone. And he makes a spin move and just jukes three bangles or whatever it was. It's like, yeah, he's gone. You just, you just watch. It's like, yeah, not surprised. You knew that was going to happen. You just figured it was going to happen. He's, he's also on pace to break the record of the highest-scoring fantasy football quarterback. Really? Yeah. So if you picked him, I think he is the number one quarterback football. in fantasy. Right. I do. Yeah, probably is. I th- and I think Russell Wilson's number two. Mm. So, but, but yeah, so uh, uh, again. It's a very tight end, running back-driven offense that they have. But Hollywood Brown, I, I, every time I watch that kid, I am so impressed. No, he's yeah. he's great. I'm so impressed. But outside of Hollywood Brown, it's a bunch of threes Sneed's and a good, fours. Sneed's a good. Sneed's a good slot guy to get a first down. Yeah, Miles, he's, Miles a, he's Boykin a solid is three. Developing. Miles Boykin he's is developing. Miles Boykin's getting there, but like I said, the overall talent at receiver, it, it's and, it ain't like they're stacked. And his offensive line, I think the biggest thing is the offensive line. That offensive line gives Jackson so much time in the pocket. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm amazed at the amount of time that, and again, that's three guys that they have on the line that are just flat out pro bowl, all pros, really. I mean, I'm not, not all of them have won all pros, but Orlando Brown's a big, mean guy at the right tackle. Ronnie Stanley, good style left tackle. Marshall Yonda, probably a Hall of Famer. They haven't had that on the Ravens. The Ravens offensive line has not had three guys like that in the line all together at the same time in a long time. Right. Not since, what, maybe Ben Grubbs and Yonda and Matt Burke and McKinney. Not since really the days of those guys. Three legit pro, uh, all-pro guys and two young ones like Stanley and, and Brown and Marshall Yonda is a bona fide Hall of Famer. That line gives him so much time in the pocket. It's, yeah. it's incredible. He's got all day. And with, when you give Lamar Jackson time and he's got all day – Especially when his with his ability to take off and run, you're going to do some. Da- that's an offense that will do some damage. He's going to do damage. All right. Uh, coming up next, I think the Raiders have a better Super Bowl window than one of their highly touted conference rivals. I'll give you a hint. It's even division rival that we all marvel over. I'll tell you what I mean. Next, it's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
Good to have you back, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Monica here on a Tuesday. Uh, top 10 teams in the NFL coming up in about 20 minutes. Uh, but I do want to start with this. a lot of movement on that list. This is the most movement I've ever had in the top 10. Most movement I've ever had. We have to have that sound bite. I like to move it, move it. That's a great song. <laughs> that's a great song. Instead, that Evan has bowling song. pins. That's all I got. For that. I mean, that's all I had. But hey, I, I was that. expecting move it, move it. If, yeah. I, if I was, I would have played it. That's a great song. It is a good song. All right. So let's, let's be honest about the NFL. In order to put yourself in a position to succeed for an extended period of time, you need to have three things. It is pretty basic. You need to have cap space, draft picks, and players on reasonable contracts. That's what you need. That ultimately determines your Super Bowl window. As we always call it that, right? How long is the period to where you're actually going to be competing for Super Bowls? And it never, um, it never goes as planned, but the, we can assume that a window is particularly this long or this short. The, how, much talent, uh, how much talent can you accumulate on doable contracts before you have to start laying out millions of dollars for only a handful of players, where you got to start paying guys. Now, I'm watching the NFL this weekend, and it made me realize something. Okay, get ready. This is going to sound like a hot take, but it really isn't. It's logical. It's going to sound crazy. The Raiders have a longer Super Bowl window than the Chiefs, as presently constituted. (gasps) What in the world did you just say? (laughs) Everybody quiet down and let me explain. Come on, simmer. It's madness. Simmer, guys. <laughs> let, me, let me get through this. Hold your tomatoes. <laughs> the Chiefs just lost to the Titans this week on the road. And now I'm not overreacting. But have we realized how reliant this team is on Patrick Mahomes? I don't necessarily mean specifically the player, but I mean the position. The Chiefs throw the ball a ton and rely on it heavily. This team doesn't run the football well at all. They're 24th in rushing offense. They're forcing Patrick Mahomes to be absurd every single night. As talented as Mahomes is, that's just, it's not sustainable. They've lost three out of the last four for the same reason. They can't run the, they can't run the football and they can't stop anybody on defense. 22nd overall in defense. They're 31st against the run. They can't stop anybody. Now, this is why I'm concerned about their future. What happens when you have to pay Patrick Mahomes $40 million? You got Patrick Mahomes on the cheap right now. You're not paying him anything. What happens when you got to pay him $40 million? He deserves it, but what happens? Some of these guys that are under contract already have to go. Right? Expect them to lose receivers. Ex- you know, and some of the players that will be up for contract, they won't be able to afford them. They're going to lose some offensive linemen. They're going to lose some receivers. They're going to lose more defensive pieces because they can't afford to keep them because they got to pay their quarterback. The- I looked at Kansas City's cap situation. You know how much money they have next year? Going into next year, how much cap space they have? million next year. And then it's, um, and next, 
and the season after that, after they pay Patrick Mahomes his big contract, they'll have $18 million in cap space in 2021. And that's if, that's if they did nothing between now and then. And that includes draft. If the, they don't have their drafted players yet, that's going to hit that cap too. So that, it, between now and then, if they did absolutely nothing as presently constituted, didn't even draft, that's how much money they would have in the cap. You're telling me I shouldn't be a little bit concerned about Kansas City? Do, who's going to be on this roster? They're going to be uh, they're going to have positions not filled with anybody. This defense is already terrible. They already struggle running the football. The, the pressure for Patrick Mahomes is only going to increase going forward. Things won't get easier for him. He might become a better player, but the surroundings around him are going to get weaker, so you don't think that that's going to at least cancel out? They'll get harder. It's going to get harder for Patrick Mahomes. Now, last week, I talked about how the Raiders' Super Bowl window is open. I think it's open. The Raiders are in. They have cap space, draft picks, and players under reasonable contracts. Derek Carr is under contract for $25 million per year, and they have $50 million and $83 million in cap space over the next two seasons. They're in much better positions here. They're in such a better spot. They're not relying on one particular aspect. They run the ball well. Josh Jacobs is a stud. Carr is accurate. They have a young developing defense, a good old line. The Raiders are in a really good spot, and I think it's a better spot than the Chiefs at this point. I I don't think I'm crazy for that. Now, people, again, I understand where this comes from because we're automatically, we are quick-thinking NFL fans. People will automatically assume that better quarterback means better future. Not the case, at least not this time. The team needs to be in a good spot. The Chiefs have no room to add more talent. This is as good as the Chiefs will get, at least in the immediate term, right? Maybe down the road they'll figure out something financially. But at that point, you've got to pay Patrick Mahomes again. And you don't know how much, how much he's going to be worth. Okay, the Raiders have the pieces in place to improve in the long term. I'd say for the next five years, the Raiders will be in a better position to win Super Bowls than the Chiefs. Not a hot take. Just logical. The Chiefs have cap space, draft picks, and players under reasonable contracts. And good players. They're 5-4. and four. I think they're a playoff team. And they're in a much more reasonable situation. The Chiefs, scarce for talent. Both sides of the football. Can't run the football. Not a great offensive line. A terrible defense up and down it. And they got to pay their quarterback $40 million because he is absurdly talented. It's a tough spot for the Chiefs to be in. So I know people think it's crazy. Oh, come on, Patrick Mahomes, they're going to win Super Bowls. Well, hang on. They could win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying they can't. But the process for them to do that is going to be a lot harder. They have a lot less flexibility in Kansas City. So you can't tell me that I can't be a little bit concerned or that I'm an idiot here. This is not a hot take. This is logical. The Raiders have more pieces in place to go to succeed moving forward than the Kansas City Chiefs do. The Raiders are in a better spot. To, uh, overall, listen, Chiefs have the better quarterback. Raiders, I think, better roster, better, uh, better situation going forward. That's going to mean a lot to them. 
for their Super Bowl hopes. You know what's okay. interesting? The Raiders' defense is 30th in passing yards, but they're in the top 10 in stopping the run. The Chiefs' defense is in the top 10 in passing yards, but they're right in the bottom of the league in stopping the run. Right. That's what's interesting about both their defenses. Both their defenses aren't very good, but... I no, the Raiders don't have a great defense, but I would take the Raiders' defense over the Chiefs. I probably would. I, I think I would agree with that. I now, mean, the, now, the, now, the interesting thing is the Chiefs have guys like Frank Clark and Chris Jones on the line and still Tyron Matthew, but the Raiders... The Raiders probably – I watched the Raider defense. You know what I, I found the about the Chiefs? Like the char- performance like the Chargers was pretty impressive. I'm sorry. You know, you know what I found about the, the Raiders defense is they don't have a lot of stars. No, they really right? don't. But they're, they have a lot of young, fast, athletic guys, right? They hit on a lot of late-round draft picks, Max Crosby and Trayvon Mullen and, and guys like that. They, they don't have stars on that defense, but they really do have a lot of solid football players. They do. A lot of them. So, and they're a little bit banged up, too. They just traded Gary and Conley. Jonathan Abram is out for the year. So, you know, it, they're a little banged up, too. But I think the Raiders, they're in a better spot going forward. All right, uh, let's go to the news. Uh, Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. Woo. Well, I know it's not so great outside. And maybe terrible snow outside. later. Woo-hoo. I love snow. Oh, God. We'll you how- know what I hate, though? If it's going to snow, snow. I hate that <laughs> slushy garbage. Like, yeah. I don't mind snow if it actually snows. If it right. if it makes everything white and pretty and everything like that. It's all nice and wintry. That's cool to me. Yeah. If it's just going to be slush and ice and misery for the next few weeks, th- that's going to drive me insane. It's going to drive me insane. Yeah, but remember, the change of seasons are always good, so you appreciate the next season coming up. So... The Mets' Pete Alonso, he wins the National League Rookie of the Year. So that's pretty awesome. He had 53 home runs, and he drove in 121. Mm-hmm. And I know, uh, Evan, he's one of Very your favorites, happy. right? Very happy. Very Get, I'm getting his jersey. I'm, getting his, I'm buying in. I'm buying in. I usually don't do this with players where I buy into a guy after one year, but I'm buying into Pete Alonso. This well, guy's, the guy's yeah. fantastic. Well, you're Don Alvarez, too, winning AL Rookie well, of the Year. It was cool, too. Hang on. Uh-oh. Pete Alonso. Now, okay, let's say this. Okay, American League, so far the awards have given, been given to the right guys. AL Rookie, uh, AL Rookie of the Year, Jordan Alvarez should have won it by a million. Pete Alonso had more competition, but he def- he still should have won it, right? Yeah. 53 home runs, he broke a record. Broke Aaron Judge's record. Right. So, I just want to say this. This is what we always do with the Mets, is they get this new star... And then, they they trade hype, and then they trade him within three years? <laughs> they, well, they hype him up so hard that I think that the, the best thing the Mets can do is congratulate Pete Alonso on his rookie of the year, but don't crown him as... He's going to be the best home run hitter in baseball for the next 10 years. We well, don't crown him, but... So no if, label. Because that's no what, label. But, Evan, you know this is a Met fan. Met fans always do that. Listen. They always say, Matt Harvey's the best pitcher in baseball, and then he tank. R.A. Dickey is incredible. Well, R.A. Dickey they, was a signing award winner for the Mets, and then we tra- we traded him after his signing award and got Syndergaard, so we knew that was going to happen. But, that, but uh, that's what I mean. It's like... You get all but these great young players. Ahmed Rosario is going to be a top five shortstop. I mean, Rosario's played really well. He is a nice player, but you have any idea how much pressure you're putting on these kids again, especially when they play for the miserable, miserable Mets? You realize that they have a responsibility to get this team out of the basement. 
There's a lot. Pete Alonso is going to be looked at as. Well, here's the thing. You're our savior now. Right. A lot of pressure. Help us. There's a lot of pressure. Don't though. be surprised if he hits 220 next year. There's a lot of pressure. Well, I hope not. There's a lot of pressure with young baseball players now, like like a Gleyber Torres or an Aaron Judge or a Dylan, or a Dylan Batanzas or a Luis Severino with the Yankees, with Gary Sanchez with the Yankees, Chris Bryant with the Cubs, Wilson Contreras. Bryce, and it, maybe it all goes back to when Trout and Harper came up to the picture. They came up, and we all hyped them up, especially Harper. We all hyped them up as these next, as these big th- saviors of a franchise. Steven Strasburg too with the Nationals. So sure, with the Mets, it's temporary expectations, you know. It, it, but it's always the case with young players, especially in baseball. With Pete Alonso, it's more so. Let's build this team around him. Now, I wouldn't mind if the Mets paid him. You kind of do what the Braves maybe did. Get him, get him paid now. What did they do with what did they do with the Cooney and Alzi Albies? They paid him right away after their first years. Maybe the Mets should do the same thing with Pete Alonso. But now you build around him. That's kind of why I look at Pete Alonso. You All hope right. that you hope that he's a fantastic player for years to come. I think he is. He's a great kid. He's humble. He's a he gets it. He's a fan favorite. Fan, for sure. fan favorite. He's a slugger. He's a guy who he's a po- he's a big old polar. He's bear. a big old no, polar. Hey, listen, bear. I love the kid. I love Pete Alonso as a, as a guy, and I like him as a player. I'm just saying. Don't be surprised if next year, since we're all going to be saying, oh, he's going to hit 55 home runs every year, if he hits 220 well, and hits 35 home runs next year. you can, That's the thing. You have to keep your expectations uh, in the line. You have to if you keep expect them to hit, reasonable. If you expect him to hit 55 home runs next year, then that's crazy. I'm, I'm hoping for at least 30 to 40. If he can right. get 30 to 40, and I'll you, take it. And you and I have agreed on this. Aaron Judge is a phenomenal ball player. But Yankee fans did the same thing. Oh, Aaron Judge. Of course it is. 6 7, 282. He's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. I love it. Problem with Judge. And then he's just. <laughs> well, well, problem, well, problem with Judge, unfortunately, has been injuries the last couple of years. He stays healthy. I think Judge <laughs> can win an MVP. But that's my. I think he could. I think he could, too. You know what happens? But that's, everybody, called, that's enthusiasm. People get excited. They don't have a lot, and they get something but amazing. They see, but they see Aaron Judge at 495 foot home runs. They're just like, oh, my God, he got the incredible. <laughs> But it's just, it's crazy. Just uh, relax a little bit. Right, so. And now tonight, now tonight, we might get another Met winner with the Cy Young Award with uh, Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> we might get another one. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll be tough. Scherzer, we'll see. Scherzer, Scherzer definitely we'll is see. On job. Thursday, I'm teasing this. On Thursday, Teaser. because I think the NFL midseason award show went so so well. Oh, boy. Monica, oh. you're going to have the responsibility of ho- hosting the Major League Baseball wow. award show. I hope those names Ooh. are MLB, easier to say. The MLB postseason <laughs> award show. When's the rehearsal? Uh, it is going to be today after the show. Okay, today after the show. I'll mm. practice all the names so I can get right. them perfect. Yeah, actually, you get no rehearsal. Just on the fly. I want right. or, I want organic. That's how people. I do my best work. That's what I want. We, really. roll the, we roll the dice here. Let's go. All, All right, right. What's next? So we got uh, Zach Wheeler, speaking of um, amazing people. So he's a free agent now, and he may have hit the trifecta because he's got uh, three different teams interested in him, and they're talking about contracts well over $100 million. So he's wow. got the Padres, the Angels, and the White Sox. Right? Yes. Wow, for hundred million for Wheeler. So those three teams are already in on him: Angels, yes. White Sox, and Padres. Already in on They've Zach Wheeler. Throwing their chips in. He wants Corbin money. He wants Corbin money. I don't think he's going to get Corbin money though. Like Zach Wheeler's really—he's yeah. a good player, but first of all, can I trust him to stay healthy? And second of all, Zach Wheeler can get really, really streaky. He can. Like there's going to be point, like he's not going to be. 
Okay, Zach Wheeler is not one of those pitchers that's going to be like, all right, he's going to give up three, four runs every start, and he's going to have an ERA of three and a half, four. He's going to have a season. He's going to have games where he's going to look like he's the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. He's going to have. He's going to be like this guy's ERA can't be anything a tick over one and a half, and then he's going to look like he's. And part of this, there are going to be some of the years where he's going to look like. I, I, I mean, he's had, guy, like he should be in AAA. I he mean, had, he had one stretch last year in 2018, that second half, where he looked like an ace. Other than that, he's been good, but yeah, streaky. Very, very but streaky. But he shouldn't get, I don't think he should get back. Zach Wheeler is a nice number three. That's what he yeah. is. He's a nice three. number three. He's not a two. He's definitely not an ace. Zach Wheeler is a nice number three. So, like a number three if, can if, get you 100 million. If you're a team, right? <laughs> If you're a team that needs an ace, you shouldn't be interested in Zach Wheeler because he isn't going to be that for you. I think that there are three potential aces on the market. And it might only be two, but I think there are three potential aces on the market. Who's that? Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, and Madison Bumgarner. Those are the only three guys. And Mad Bum might not even be an ace anymore. He might be a number two. But Strasburg and Cole are going to be aces. If you need an ace, those are the two guys you want. Well, so that's, that would, that's an interesting thing, though. If the Angels are in on Zach Wheeler and they can pull off Garrett Cole and Zach Wheeler, that'd be good. All of a sudden, yeah, they're looking like they're something. I still don't love their bullpen, but they look like they could be a playoff team. The Angels are going to be suitors for a lot of guys in this free agency. Oh class. yeah, they, because they you signed Trout to the big extension and you just brought in Joe Madden. Joe Madden is a winner. Joe Madden is a guy who you bring in to win. They're going to go nuts. Joe Madden is, now we heard this rumor too, Joe Madden's now the manager of the Angels. We just also heard a rumor that Chris Bryant could get traded. Yes, I saw that. Could Chris Bryant get traded to the Angels? Now, here's here's one. So the Angels' top prospect is Joe Adele, right? He's like a top five or ten prospect in in Major Leagues. Would you trade Joe Adele for Chris Bryant? If if you're in win-now mode, you have to. Buy or sell? I don't know. Uh, do, do you buy or sell that? Uh, buy, buy, buy. That it's going to happen or that it should happen? That it should happen. God, Joe Adele is so good. I I would probably not. Wow. I probably would not. Sell, sell, sell. But I, I, I don't know. I, if I were the – I don't think it would be a bad move because you'd be giving up Joe Adele and something else probably. But if you were able to – if I were the general manager of the Angels, I wouldn't have the guts to do it. That's my problem. I wouldn't have the guts to do it. I think it, it was that, that report by Morosi was Bryant, Mookie Betts, and Francisco Lindor. We, Fra- we know Francisco Lindor, Lindor most and likely is going to be Didn't he say two of those three guys are going to get traded? Yeah. I can, well, Lindor is definitely the obvious one. I think Lindor is easily going to get traded. And I think, Mo- I, I think Chris Bryant is the least likely to get traded. But Lindor and Mookie Betts, I think, could be as good as gone this offseason. Mm-hmm. I really do. I guess, yeah, I got to agree both of them. All, All right. right, so we got a little basketball news before we wrap this one up. Basketball? What? I know. Why not? What are we doing here? Is it the, the Cavs? Uh, is, it, is the Cavs winning against the Knicks the other day? No, the Boston Celtics, Gordon Hayward, he broke his hand. So he had surgery right here in New York for his broken hand and uh, was successful. But he's going to be out for at least six weeks, maybe longer. And uh, that is a tough recovery, coming back from a broken hand, knowing that you have to use that hand. How long did you say it was going to be out for? They said six weeks. I think it's going to be more like 
eight or nine. I'm not a doctor, but I did play one on TV once, so that's my prediction. Uh, so <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's also, just, you, that just happened. Yeah, you all, you also played a a, a a award show host. I did, but I do want to. Okay, Gordon Hayward. It, it really is a shame because I feel like this year Gordon Hayward is finally yeah. like showing everybody why he was worth all that money. Gordon Hayward's a really good player. Like, he's a 20-plus point-per-game guy. He really is. Now, at the same time, Boston does a really good job of plugging and playing. You know, having guys that are that are going to be ready to fill his role. So expect to see more yeah. uh, of Jason Tatum playing three and not four. Expect more semi-ogelays. Expect more... Grant Williams, like, expect... Yeah, it's like this bug that's killing me over here. But expect a lot more guys to take over that role. You know, expect a lot more Robert Williams. It's going to be interesting to see what they do to compensate for that. But Gordon Hayward this year is actually starting to convince people. Yeah. You know, I can actually still play, so don't rule me out. So So, six weeks, eight weeks by Dr. Monica. We'll see By Dr. Monica, right. There you go. All right, uh, that's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. All right, coming up next, uh, top 10 teams in the NFL after week 10. I do it every Tuesday. There's a lot of movement this week, a ton of it. Uh, they're brand new top five, brand new. We've, we haven't seen this much movement before on this list. Also, Speedy Petey in a half hour. Uh, all that next hour. Number two, Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Hour number two, absolutely loaded. Speedy Petey in 30 minutes. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. Monica Ray, Big J journalist, the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey in about 30 minutes. Top 10 teams in the NFL for week 10. I do it every Tuesday. Ton and ton and ton of movement this week. A brand new top five. There are teams that are in this that I didn't even have on the list last week. Evan, here we go. Number 10, Dallas. Now, I think that they're still still probably a top 10 team in the NFL. They're at the bottom part of that 10. Because I still think as talented as they are, they could probably still win a playoff game. I don't think that this is a bad football team. I still think they're the favorite to win the NFC East. As bad as I think their coaching is, uh, Dak Prescott again, taking me on this emotional roller coaster. But right now, uh, so far this year, he's the best he's looked so far all this entire year. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, when he's on, they're incredibly good. Uh, everybody's healthy right now. Connor Williams is having surgery, but he was kind of the weak link in their offensive line. We'll see if Xavier Suafilo can fill that spot. Uh, but defensively, they've had some lapses, but overall they're pretty good. Love the way that their defense is coached. It's just offensively and with head coaching Jason Garrett is where I'm having problems. Dallas Cowboys, they're number 10. Again, still incredibly talented. I still think they could win a playoff game. That's why they're still here. Dallas Cowboys, number 10. Number nine, Kansas City. 
People call me crazy. People call me crazy. Crazy. But look at this. They can't stop anybody on defense. They can't stop the run. And they're relying on Patrick Mahomes to be brilliant every game. If you're doing that, it's going to be real hard for you to have long-term success. This team is not capable to me to be sustainable the way that they're built. They have to get better defensively. And I understand offense drives the league today, but they have to get better defensively, especially against the run. If they start playing teams like Houston, I mean, if they play a team like Baltimore, I'm sorry, Baltimore is going to run up and down on them. And I know that they already beat them. Twice. But this is, but, uh, right, once last year, once this year. But they play a team like Baltimore that absolutely runs the ball up your throat. I, I, I don't tell me I can't be nervous about this. That Kansas City, until they get to a point where they're relying less on Patrick Mahomes, I think they're going to have trouble getting all the way there. Moving forward, this is a tough spot for them. Kansas City, they're still number nine. Patrick Mahomes could still win them games, but right now they're number nine. Number eight, Houston, on the bye this week. Deshaun Watson, offensive line, has been playing well. They've been keeping him upright. They run the ball well. Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson. This is a good football team. They really are. They they get after the quarterback. Even without J.J. Watt, they get after the quarterback. I like Houston. And Deshaun Watson, listen, if, if Russell Wilson was not the MVP of the league, Deshaun Watson would be. He's absolutely fantastic. I think the AFC South is pretty much theirs at this point the houston texans are a good team they're number eight right now uh again they've kind of stayed in the same range i'm waiting for them to make that big jump i want them to show me why i should have them higher but right now they stay at number eight still a top 10 team in the nfl number seven green bay i they've taken a bit of a dip the past two weeks i I don't like what i see Okay, losing against the Chargers and then this up and down performance against Carolina. I get it was in the conditions, but you're in Green Bay. This is this is the stuff you're used to. I'll be honest with you, Aaron Rodgers has had a really tough last two weeks. This defense has had a tough last two weeks. Giving up major yards to Phillip Rivers and Kyle Allen is not what I want to see. I was expecting Green Bay. Listen, I got the four sure four bet, right? But this is honestly, this is as bad as I've seen the Green Bay Packers look all year. I don't want to see them lose games that they shouldn't lose late in the year. I don't think it's coaching. I think this is just player execution. They're not playing well enough as as players. They're being put in a the position. They're not executing the right way. They're having trouble getting after the quarterback the past couple of weeks. They're having trouble consistently scoring points. Aaron Jones has been their best offensive player over the past number of weeks now, maybe for the past month. Green Bay right now takes a little bit of a dip. Still like them, but they're number seven. You won the four short four, so that's all that matters. That's right. <laughs> number six, Minnesota. I think Minnesota jumps them in the division. I do. I Listen, I think this win against the Cowboys this weekend was absolutely gigantic for them. Have you? Have you do you notice this? They are absolutely in a position to win this division now. They are. They're in a position to win it. I, they get an easy schedule for the next six weeks. They get Denver. They get Denver at home, and then they go on a bye. And then I think they go four and one in the next 
in the next five uh, in those next five weeks. Minnesota's in a really good spot. I think they finished the season five and one. They finished the season at twelve and four, and Minnesota wins the division and they're vying for a first round bye. This is a new confidence that they have now. Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins finally won a game in a big primetime game. As much as we'd like to say, oh, it was all Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Kirk Cousins did not play poorly. And it doesn't matter what we think caused the Vikings to win. It matters that in that Vikings locker room, they won a primetime game on the road against the most watched team in American sports. That matters. It holds weight. There's new confidence in the building, and that's what you need. They have new confidence in their quarterback, new confidence in their coach, new confidence in themselves. That's huge for Minnesota. The Vikings are number six. Number five, Seattle. People are going to say, oh, come on, they're ahead of San Francisco. Ah, listen, I'm not calling yesterday a fluke, and I'm not disrespecting Russell Wilson. Seattle's a top five team in the NFL. I trust him more than anything. It's the talent around him that I don't trust, okay? I don't love their defensive personnel. They are not a great defense. Offensively, I think they've definitely gotten better at wide receiver. When they find ways to protect Russell Wilson, again, the offense for Seattle is good. They run the ball well. They have good wide receivers. I mean, ser- apparently they're loaded at tight end. I, I uh, This kid, Jacob Hollister, looks like he can play. I didn't even know who the kid was, but... Apparently, the guy is pretty good. Russell Wilson right now, the MVP of the league. There isn't a guy in the NFL I trust more right now to win me a playoff game, give me a game-winning drive, get me a lead early. He's the guy that I want as my quarterback. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Seattle is number five. And number four is the team they beat yesterday, San Francisco. They take a little bit of a dip. Now, here's the thing. This this is kind of similar to Green Bay. I like San Francisco schematically and conceptually. But if we notice that Jimmy G gets away with a lot of mistakes and a lot of missed throws, I mean, I like Jimmy G. I do. And I'm going to get off the negative for a second. This is a powerful front seven. They're incredibly well coached. They've drafted incredibly well. They run the ball great. They have good wide receivers. Their tackles and their offensive line is really good. I mean, they have a really talented roster. The only thing that's keeping me from putting them a little bit higher, I'll be honest with you, is quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, as much as we'd like to put the success on him, Jimmy Garoppolo has actually been the thing that I think has been holding them back a little bit from even being more successful. He gets away with a lot of missed throws. He's not a huge touchdown thrower, okay? He isn't great in the red zone, but... Jimmy Garoppolo, he's good enough to win him games. Kyle Shanahan, to me, is the coach of the year. San Francisco, right now, number four in the NFL. Number three, Evan Mazza, Baltimore Ravens. I am all in on the Ravens. I'm in. I'm in. I'm sorry I ever doubted you. Lamar Jackson is driving me crazy this year. I'm serious, and in a good way. He has been sensational running the football. He's clearly a better thrower than he was last year. This is a well-oiled offense, and there are times over the year where this defense is actually dangerous. They are. They're actually legitimately dangerous. Give me uh, me the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're the second-best team in the AFC, and I think that the AFC North clearly theirs now. 
Pittsburgh's in second place. They've got no shot. Cleveland has no shot. I, I think the Ravens could very easily get a first-round bye, and they could be one of the best teams in the NFL. They're number three. I trust them like crazy. They know how to win football games. They're beating good teams. and they're uh, th- Here's the thing. They're beating good teams and blowing out bad teams. That's what I love to see about the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not surprised by anything they're doing. Lamar Jackson is showing me incredible stuff, showing me sustainable future for the next five, seven years. This is a legitimate NFL team with a legit NFL quarterback. I am all in on the Ravens. They're number, they're number three. Props to Eric DaCosta, too. That Marcus Peters move, three games, two oh pick sixes. Oh, my six. God, he's been three great. Three games, two pick sixes. Number two, New England. Uh, I They take a jump after being on the bye. I think that they're... Obviously, I, I, I do have my question marks about them. I want to see them play well against a legitimate NFL team. But I do give them credit. They've taken advantage of their opportunities. I still think this defense is very good. It is still Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, even though I do think I see real digression out of Brady. But I, you've got to kind of keep in mind, New England, as far as pieces are concerned, they have a good set of running backs. I still think that their offensive line, with the exception of left tackle, is pretty good. I still think that they're okay at wide receiver. It's doable at wide receiver. Philip Dorsett, Julian Edelman, uh, Mohamed Sanu, the the rookie Nikhil Harry is coming back. They're going to have weapons here. But this this offense, I'm expecting them to make adjustments after the bye, focus on things, get going going forward. Start beating some real NFL teams. The New England Patriots, they're number two. And number one, despite the fact that they took a bad loss this week, New Orleans. Look, I still think New Orleans is the number one team in the NFL. I just do. I, I, I Don't ask me why, but I do. I, I trust Drew Brees. I trust Sean Payton. They have a great old line. They still have great weapons. They get Alvin Kamara back. They're running the ball well. This is a good defense. It was a fluke week. That's what I think, really. Atlanta goes in. There's always that couple of games during the NFL year where you're just scratching your head and you're just like, uh, what? That doesn't make any sense. This was one of those games. Atlanta goes into the Superdome where the Saints are incredibly good. Atlanta was a one-win team before then. And they go out and they absolutely hand it to the New Orleans Saints. Dan Quinn had a great game plan, but... Again, fluke game. I still think they bounce back next week. I, I, I hear some people say, uh, do they need to uh, quarterback controversy? Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees. No, stop. Come on. Teddy Bridgewater did great. He went 5-0. and But Drew Brees is their quarterback. Can we stop with this? The New Orleans right now, number one team in the NFL. Uh, they're the team I trust the most. Right now, I think they're my Super Bowl favorite. Give me the New Orleans Saints. They're number one. All right, so just to recap... Dallas Cowboys at 10, Kansas City Chiefs at 9, Houston Texans at 8, Packers at 7, Minnesota Vikings at 6, Seattle Seahawks at 5, 49ers at 4, Baltimore Ravens at 3, New England Patriots at 2, and the New Orleans Saints are at 1. So, what do we think? Quick synopsis. I'm glad the Cowboys are still in the top 10, even though they had a... Barely. Lousy Sunday. Barely. Yeah. Uh, I like the Saints, too. I've always liked the Saints. And Drew Brees being back, I think that's a good pick. But I think the Cowboys are going to rally 
And move on up. And win the Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> they'll beat they'll beat Detroit. They'll be okay. I think they're gonna beat the Lions. They'll be okay. Now of course Stafford's Stafford's uh, will be interesting to see how if he plays or not. I think the one one thing I would do, I still would do Green Bay over Minnesota. I know Minnesota beat the Cowboys. I know Green Green Bay kinda had to tough it out the last seconds to beat the Panthers. I still trust Green Bay over Minnesota in terms of the best team and best teams in the NFC, the best teams in that division. I, I, I still Minnesota I still like to me's got new life. This is a brand new football team after that win. They're red hot, the Vikings. They're red hot. But again, you and you, you and I both know better coaching wins the Cowboys that game. Right. You and I both know. And a better defense. The, def- the defense did not play yeah. well at all. That was one of the defense's worst defense's worst outing since the Jet game for the Cowboys. Ugly. All right. Top 10 teams in the NFL. I do it every Tuesday. A lot of movement on this one. A lot of moving pieces. A couple big games, too, in the, in, in the NFL this week. Obviously, Ravens, Texans, that's going to be big. Um, yeah. That's Bears, be Rams, Sunday night. Bear, I think it's in Chicago. I think it's in L.A. or in Chicago. I think I'm not sure. So yeah, the Rams. I'm having a real tough they time. They can't be in the top. In. They can't be in the top ten. No, they, they can't. can't. They can't. I am not in on the Rams right now at all. But that's, that's and people have kept. Uh, listen, I, I I was a guy that bought into them for a while, and I, people were telling me, "Hey, listen, take a break on the Rams. They're they're struggling. And they cannot protect the quarterback. That, that game they is, cannot protect Jared Goff. You look at this game. Bears, the guy's got no time. Bears, Rams, Sunday Night Football. In, it's in Los Angeles. Chicago, 4-5. and five, Rams, 5-4. and four. Both their seasons really could be on the line in this game. Yeah. No, it's, it's with, with the, absolutely with, huge. With the you NFC landscape. The Rams do have Jalen Ramsey, who could possibly win MVP for trash talk. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. He's, there you go. he's the best trash, trash talker in the uh, – it's hard to say, trash talker. He leaves a lingering of profanities in the air yeah. to get in people's heads. All right. Uh, coming up next, Beatty Petey, our football guru, producer of every show on this network. Coming up next, the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Monica here on a rainy, miserable Tuesday. Apparently it's supposed to snow later. Uh, so, Speedy Petey, uh, our football guru, producer of pretty much every show on this network. Speedy, are you going to be... So if it snows, is it your responsibility to shovel the driveway? Uh, eventually. Eventually, yeah. It is It is eventually his responsibility. Okay, uh, Speedy, I want to start with Thursday night, okay, because it, we are a little bit far separated, but I want to get your thoughts. D- don't, the, worry, I, don't worry, I like that. I love bashing the Chargers. Well, hey, <laughs> listen, it, it actually, it's less about the Chargers, it's more about the Raiders. Listen, I'm all in on Oakland. I am. Look, I think they're a playoff team this year, and I think... They've got cap space. They have draft picks. Their franchise quarterback is already under contract for a reasonable price. I mean, it, this team, I think, in the next three or four or five years, that that's their Super Bowl window. This is actually a – in the next year or so, we're going to see this team evolve into a Super Bowl-caliber team. What say you? It's possible. Uh, they still need a lot on defense for me to judge anything like that. Trading Gary on Conley to me didn't help. You, know, you need a, a lot in that secondary. 
You got Carl Joseph, who's nice. Jonathan Abram, if he's healthy, he will be very good. So they have pieces to work with. Linebackers, corners, they need. Uh, receivers, I would say they would need. Uh, Tyrell Williams has played well this year. Hunter Renfro's been good at times, but again, their overall receiving talent is not great. But yeah, with all the draft picks they have, they're definitely in the right direction. They're winning close games this year, which is good for the mental confidence of this team. Uh, I don't think they're a playoff team this year. I still think they'll be more like an 8-8, eight eight, but I think they're in the right direction for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Now, I kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, I, I did a segment earlier. I believe that Kansas City's Super Bowl window, at least in the immediate term, is shorter than the Raiders. I think the Raiders are in a better spot right now. Again, I think you need to have three things in the NFL, cap space, draft picks, and players on reasonable contracts. Kansas City doesn't have that, especially if they have to pay Patrick Mahomes $40 million a year. This is already a roster that lacks a lot of things. They pay Patrick Mahomes $40 million to, They're not going to be able – their roster is just going to get worse. I think Kansas City is actually in a worse spot going forward than Oakland is. Do you agree? No, I don't, because I think Kansas City really needs only a few things on the, from a roster perspective. The chief problem for me is more concept-based. They have just a really bad run defense, and that comes with having smaller interior linemen, iffy linebackers on defense, and then offensively they just can't run the ball because their running backs aren't that good. They, the, the thing is, running backs are always easy to find in the draft. It's the deepest position in college football all the time. So I trust Andy Reid to still find that. He's Obviously, with Kareem Hunt, he found it recently, uh, a third-round pick, late third-round pick, I believe it was, too. So I think I trust him to be able to find that. And, again, I think it's really just needing a couple things. And, I, again, I also trust Steve Spagnuolo to get these new faces going on defense, too, later in the season. I, I believe I said that uh, when I was on your show uh, a month ago or so. I, I don't think this defense will be that bad forever. It's just... Right now, it's just a defense that's small on the up front and can't stop the run right now. Their pass defense has actually been better. It's just their run defense has really just been that bad where it's really holding them back. So they're essentially one-dimensional on both sides of the ball for this year. But in terms of a long term, I think they're okay. Yeah, I, 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 look, I, I, like I said, I, I didn't think it was that bold of a take. I think that uh, I think the Raiders are in a better spot. But uh, other... Uh, Aside from that, uh, Monday Night Football, we saw a, a br- great game yesterday, pretty sloppy, but it was a great game yesterday. And I read a headline this morning, and it said, oh, the, the Seahawks shock the 49ers with their overtime win. I'm like, D- wait a second. D- why are we shocked about this? Th- this is Russell Wilson. This is what he does. It wins Super Bowls in his third year. It takes a job for Matt Flynn the year they, bring it, they sign Matt Flynn to big money as a third-round pick. I mean... Why are we shocked about Russell Wilson? The guy's just great. Uh, yeah, I'm not shocked. I picked the Seahawks, so I'm not shocked. He's a better late-game quarterback like that, too. And he showed, after throwing the interception, that he still has the mental composure to be able to do it. And that's what all championship quarterbacks need. So he did an excellent job bouncing back. He made a lot of good plays on that 
final drive of overtime. He made some good plays at the end of regulation. When it looked like the Niners were getting a lot of momentum when they tie it up after being down 21-10. So definitely he's a championship-caliber quarterback for sure. And, again, I'm not surprised the Seahawks won because, one, I thought they their receivers would eventually get it going, and they did later in the game. Tyler Lockett getting hurt didn't help. But besides, I would say, maybe the second quarter and some parts of the fourth, that pass rush for the Niners wasn't great in that game, and Russell Wilson was a big reason why, extending plays. And also, I I said this, too, on home stretch. I think the Niners, would they be ready for a close game situation? Because they really haven't played much of them this year. They've been just so dominant that they've been playing in a lot of blowouts, and I thought Seattle was more prepared for, for a close game with all the close games they've won this year. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Now, I want to move on to Lamar Jackson because – I don't understand why it's taking people so long. Okay, I read the numbers before, Speedy. I'll read them. Uh, I'll read them to you now. The uh, the statistics here. So, Lamar Jackson quietly has gone thirteen and three in his first sixteen career starts. He's officially played uh, started a full season's worth of games. So, in those sixteen games, in his first sixteen career games, he has more wins than Patrick Mahomes, more rushing yards than Ladainian Tomlinson a higher quarterback rating than Tom Brady, uh, a higher yards per attempt than Aaron Rodgers, and a higher completion percentage than Drew Brees in, in each of their first 16 games. What more do people want? Lamar Jackson looks to me like he's a franchise quarterback. What say you? He's definitely growing, for sure. I mean, last year, I, I know he won all those games in a row, I still think he, don't think he was the reason why. I think it was just more the Ravens, Ravens' schedule getting easier at the end of the season. But this year, he's been a reason why. And with that defense still being very good, but has been depleted at times, so hasn't been able to carry them like it has in the past. Lamar Jackson has stepped up. And Lamar Jackson's also helped them by staying on the field with his running ability, his creativity. And I think even though his overall throwing ability is still not amazing, it's He's made tougher throws than I've seen him make. And, he's again, he's improvised with throws on the run, creative play actions, and that's what his offense is. And that's what he's going to be tailored around. He's tending to the game plan well. He's not trying to force things. And that's a big reason why he's been winning games this year and why he's been a big reason for winning games this year. And the biggest key for me with Lamar Jackson is he's done it in the two toughest games that I think he he had to play this year. At Seattle, he was the best player in that game. And against the Patriots last week, him doing what he did to the Bengals this week, I mean, it's not surprising. But, again, the key wins is something I look at with Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens' schedule for the rest of the year is pretty easy. I think the 49ers are really the only hard game. So, Dallas Cowboys, and I think that uh, there's two sides to this, Speedy. Because talking to Speedy Petey, producer of pretty much every show on this network, our football guru here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, Dak Prescott 100% outplayed Kirk Cousins, and it was not even close. Uh, I apologize to my listeners uh, yesterday for li- having to listen to my nonsense about me ripping Dak Prescott. I think he's a franchise quarterback, and he keeps continuously getting better. 
Jason Garrett, I think, is by far the thing that's holding them back. They have talent. They have the quarterback. Uh, I'm sorry. Jason Garrett's the common denominator here. What do you think is – do you agree that Jason Garrett is the guy that's holding the the Dallas Cowboys back? Uh, He is. I'm not going to say that he's good by any stretch because I think he's a terrible coach. In that individual game, I I don't think he's the entire thing to blame because I do think he did a good job in, I guess, adjusting when the Vikings were rolling in the beginning of the game and not making that a blowout like it could have been. And also, I think he did a good job moving Amari Cooper around and made that unpredictable, too. He knew that if the Cowboys were going to be able to succeed like they did, they have to move those receivers around. And obviously, Dak has to make the throws to make it work, too. And he did a, a great job in that game of making those tough throws. But the way he moved Amari Cooper with those different formations, so Xavier Rhodes wasn't shadowing him the whole time, or they weren't having him in the middle against his own defenses or whatever. He did a good job with that. So I think from a play-calling perspective, he did well. I think from a game-planning perspective, yeah, he probably could do better. And Again, he's always been flawed when it comes to that. With a very basic game plan, they started slow, and that's where you could definitely put some blame on Jason Garrett. I, I mean, I'm sure he gets some, I guess, primary end of it, or definitely a good chunk, but I'm not going to say it's the entire thing. That defense, again, never made adjustments either. Whether that's Chris Richard or Rod Marinelli, that defense never made adjustments to the screen passes with Cook, the outside runs with Cook. I really think they did. They just didn't do well. And even the tight ends catching passes the way they did. Those linebackers are talented, and they never once tried to do man-to-man coverage with those linebackers on the, t- on the two tight ends, both Rudolph and Irv Smith. So it seems like the defense, I think, was the biggest biggest issue for me. But, yeah, Jason Garrett didn't help either because, again, that slow start and the end of the game, he really did not manage well at all. I mean, that, but the, you have to agree with this, Speedy, and I want to get your thought on, thoughts on this too. Those two play calls at the end of the game on second and third down when Dak was absolutely shredding this really good Minnesota defense – he hands the, he runs two straight draw plays with Zeke, who was struggling all game. I mean, that's it's clear cut now, right? Speed. I mean, I, I'm not trying to dig too deep about this. I feel like it's right in front of me that that's the issue. The first draw play I'm okay with because it's second and two. I would agree. Because at that point, it wasn't really a time issue, so I'm okay with trying to throw him off in what is a conventional running situation and again doing a draw making it look like you're going to pass is fine but you're right after the third after yeah. the, that didn't work on third down I would have definitely gone to the air even with a quicker pass would have been fine because the Vikings were playing more off the ball especially with their younger corners so yeah I would have definitely adjusted after that and it seemed like he kept trying to make Zeke work when clearly Mike Zimmer was trying to shut down Zeke and the Vikings did a great job with that, considering they had no Limbaugh Joseph in that game. So you got to look at it like that, where I give Zimmer more of the credit for sticking to that, because he could also get too conservative, and that could have helped Zeke. And we saw the Jets do that, when even though the Jets beat the Cowboys, we saw them, after shutting Zeke down in the first half, get away from it. But Mike Zimmer never did that. And Jason Garrett, yeah, he never adjusted to that. He kept trying to feed Zeke and trying to get him to work, and it just didn't work. 
So, yeah, I would have – I'd give him a pass for the second down one, but the third down, when you know it didn't work, and it's third and I believe three at that point, third and four. Yeah, okay, maybe it's still a running situation in some instances, but when you're running back who's one of the best in the league averaging 2.7 yards a carry – yeah, that's not the time to go to it. Yeah, you got to trust your quarterback in that spot, in my opinion. So I, I want to kind of get into this too, Speedy. Other, other side of the coin here from that game, Minnesota to me, I think Minnesota wins the division because I think they go, they go on a run late in the year, they get Denver at home, and then they get the bye, and then I think they get five, they get five winnable games. I think they, win, they lose one of those games. They finish the season 12-4, and four and they win the division. So... The reason I'm saying that is because Minnesota, I think after this win, they finally get a primetime win. Kirk Cousins now has this newfound confidence. The team has a newfound confidence in him. They're going to be playing just so much more differently to the way of of past championship teams. This is a new fire. This is a new life for the Minnesota Vikings. The talent's there, but they... They needed this win. What What do you think this does for Minnesota going forward? Well, to answer the first part of your question, we'll see with the schedule with the scheduling with with Green Bay because remember Green Bay also still has the head to head tiebreaker if it came down to that. So it, that will be tricky if both teams are say twelve and four, both teams are something like eleven and five. One, the divisional record could still help Green Bay, and two the head-to-head tiebreaker if they sweep them for the season will still help Green Bay. So that's one. In terms of the actual primetime win, the Vikings I don't think are a a bad primetime team. I think they're kind of a streaky primetime team, kind of like the Cowboys. They've always been that way, too. The Cowboys obviously have a much larger sample when it comes to primetime games. It seems like there are six or seven of them a year. But in terms of the Vikings, it's definitely a boost winning that kind of game, for sure. I think they needed a, a big win after losing last week to the Chiefs the way they did, collapsing in that game against the backup quarterback. So in, from that sense, it's definitely good. And for Kirk Cousins, who's normally horrible in primetime, sure, that's a nice boost for him, too. Again, it's one game. I'm not really going to say that's the end-all, be-all. All of a sudden, it's going to gain him they could do anything because that's, again, one game. But it's defi- it definitely helps. The Vikings have proven they be- can beat good teams this year, and they have. They've beaten a good, a good amount of them. on a, Again, not a super hard schedule, but, a, but a definitely a hard schedule. So from that end of it, it's definitely possible. And, I, again, I think they're definitely a playoff team. Whether they win the division or not, I don't know because of the tiebreaker scenarios. Because they already lost to Chicago, and that's not going to help either. But in terms of them being a playoff team, absolutely a threat. They're very complete. So I could see it definitely happening when they do win the division. And there's a lot of good teams in the NFC, so even getting a bye if they were to finish, say, 12-4 and would be tough, though, too. So it's definitely interesting. They're still a threat either way, though. The question is, can the Vikings get that monkey off their back of the mental lapses they tend to have in the playoffs. Right. All right, Speedy, before I let you go, uh, I ask you this question every single week we have you on. So moving forward to week 11, what are the games and what are the things that we should be looking forward, uh, looking for going into next week? Well, I think in terms of things to look for, I think it's the NFC, every NFC playoff race. Because again, they're both—they're all very tight. They're all very close with those two teams. With the two, 
So all those teams that are in the mix, and obviously the two NFC East teams being tied five and four, it's definitely be interesting who's going to break those ties or close division races. I think that's the biggest thing to look at right now. With that, uh, in terms of the actual, to pull it up right now. Uh, I, after a big slate of primetime games, this it'd be interesting to see if there's any of the match this week. I'm still trying to pull it up. Uh, just hold on. Uh, in terms of an individual matchup, I'd probably say Texans or Evens would definitely one to look at. I guess two very talented quarterbacks and Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. They've been both MVP candidates this year. So that'll definitely be interesting. And, yeah, looking at it as a whole, that's probably would be the one I would go with. What are you looking at for – what are you looking at at Patriots-Eagles? Patriots-Eagles? Yeah. Oh, okay. I could do that one, too, because that's actually pretty interesting, too. Uh, Patriots-Eagles, I actually think Philly can win that game because – Patriots deja vu factor for that Super Bowl. Eagles are still similar identity. They can match up well with that pass rush depth without creative amount of offensive weapons they have. The Patriots always struggle against teams that don't have one obvious offensive weapon or two obvious offensive weapons. Philly has a bunch of them that they go to. Obviously, none of them are amazing. So, But they have a lot of depth, receiving depth, running back depth. So that's definitely going to be interesting. I definitely think Philly can win that game. So that's a definitely another one that's a game of the week candidate. I'm still going to stick to Texans Ravens though, as being the big one. And Evan, I think your Ravens are going to come out on top, but it's going to be close. Oh, it's going to be fun. Houston's played very well. All right, Speedy Petey, producer of pretty much every show on this network, our football guru. Bring him on every Tuesday. Speedy, thanks for coming on, bud. Yep, thanks for coming on. Evan, be ready to lose a fantasy this week. <laughs> oh, my face! Uh-huh. My face, Speedy. My face in your fantasy. Yep. Oh boy. Yeah, I've lost four in a row, but I'm due. I think I'm due for a win. I thought I thought I had a, I thought I had a good week, but I think I'm due for a win this week. We'll see. We'll see. I'm probably gonna. Lose. Not. I'm probably not due for a win this week. <laughs> How right. did we do in our? Picks? Thanks, Bade. All right. Uh, let's go to the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. All right. So, Kansas City defensive end. I'm gonna need help with this one. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Ogba. 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 Is that right? Agba. Agba. I got it. You're good. Okay. You got it. Is uh, out for the season with a torn pectoral muscle. Ouch. So I don't know how that's going to Yeah, this defense him. already is banged up. Right. They already struggle getting after the quarterback. I. This is exactly what I mean. Is when they have to pay Patrick Mahomes $40 million, how are we supposed to expect this team to remain any good? They're going to lose everybody. Yeah. Seriously, they're going to lose everybody. They're going to lose defensive pieces that already can't stop anybody. They're going to lose some of the offensive weapons that makes their offense so good. How am I supposed to have faith in the Chiefs? Look, Evan, I made a comparison to the Chiefs this year, right? They feel very early on Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, right? Where it was very Aaron Rodgers-centric. Not a lot of talent around him. You know, focus on Aaron Rodgers to rely on everything uh, offensively and don't focus on the defense. 2011-2016 Saints, the, the Packers from those years, yeah, the 07-08 to 2013 Patriots. 
Yeah. That's pretty much what they are. This is what it is. It is Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes. That's that's what this team is. And as much as I like Emmanuel Agba as a player, losing him is going to really hurt. Yeah. He's going to really – that's good. Because now you're going to rely on another new pass rusher to get after – I mean – you're going to rely on Tano Passignon, and I, I just, I don't get it. Why are you ignoring building your roster? I don't understand that. I don't know. Crazy. Then we got uh, the Detroit Lions quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who sat out this Sunday. Uh, he's having back issues again. Oh, yeah. New back issues. He said he, he did what he thought was best for the team to sit out so that he can recover. He's hoping that he'll be back. I don't know if that means he'll be back in the next next game and suit up or if he's going to need some more recovery. But well, he almost played anyway, which yeah. is which blows my mind because Matthew Stafford has always had these back issues. Right. I mean, it, that would have been that would have been impressive. He's actually having Evan, I'm actually surprised about this. Matthew Stafford is actually having a really nice year. He's having a darn good year. He's having a really nice year. I think he's top five in the league in quarterback rating. He's having a darn good year. He's got a 106 quarterback rating. Right now he's having a career year, which is, it blows my mind. He's dealing with fractures. Blows my mind, man. (laughs) Oh, He's dealing with fractured bones in his back, so. John, what do you think of Matthew? When you've got, when you have fractured bones in your back, shouldn't be on the field. That takes a while to get fully healthy again. Absolutely. I mean, you just, every time you sit up, you're just like, oh, that's well, awkward. And he's in a position where he could be sacked, and that could be the end of him. Well, yeah. I mean, if he, yeah, if he takes a big hit, I mean, that's, yeah. that, if he takes a big hit with a broken back, that could end his career. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, it was yeah. smart for him to, to say, all right, I'm just going to. I'm going to let myself heal a little bit. That's why it's very, it'll be interesting to watch, see what his status will be for this Sunday against the Cowboys. And the Lions obviously need him yeah. on the field. I'll be honest definitely. with you. If I'm the Lions, I'd probably hold him out anyway. I really do. I mean, these, like I said, these back injuries are really oh, no. serious. They're, yeah. they're serious, and you, they're unpredictable, too, because you have no idea when you're going to get it. Right, I mean, and Dallas has a really good pass rush. Yeah. Like Quinn, Lawrence, Bennett. Mm-hmm. And these are guys that hit hard. Like, you've got to... Be careful with this. You really got to be careful. Yeah, take it easy. And I don't know if you guys are hungry yet, but I am. So I looked up the largest pizza, and I'm not even going to ask you what your guess is. 10,000 pounds. It is 10,000 pounds. What about you, Evan? (laughs) He already told you his answer. 10,000 pounds. (laughs) 20, okay, largest pizza? Yeah. 20,000. All right. Well, somewhere in between, guys. 13,580 pounds. Really? Wait. So my 10,000 was not that crazy. It wasn't. Yeah. See? If told you. If we were on the prices right, you would have won and you would have been over. Mm. So you you would be going to the Showcase Showdown. Ha. Nice. That would be awesome. I would have gotten an audio daily double. Or wait, no, that's, that's Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Sorry. So it was uh, made in Rome, Italy. I guess the uh, birthplace of the pizza. Yeah. And uh, it was 100% gluten-free. Wow. You know, people say... A 13,000-pound gluten-free pizza. Yeah, but people say when you go to Italy in particular that the pasta doesn't have gluten in it because Italians are smart. A little bit. And they make it without all that junk in there. So people, like, when you go over there and you eat a big Italian meal, you don't feel all that 
yeah. in your stomach and everything. Mobsters don't like gluten. No, they don't. No, they don't. Dons don't like gluten. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. <laughs> Don Corleone. No, 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 no. I don't want anybody to lose more family. I just don't. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody lose a son like I lost mine. No. I'm telling you, I could do a Marlon Brando. Look at what they done to I my I could do Marlon Brando. Look at what with they the, done to with my the, with the With the jaw and this. There you go. His bottom face is just sticking out. He's like the crimson chin. <laughs> the crimson chin. Look at, look at what you've done to my bones. The crimson chin. The crimson chin. The crimson chin. Speaking of Jeopardy, uh, you guys saw you guys saw last night's Jeopardy. Did you see last night's Jeopardy? I did not. No, oh, they, no, no, they, no. they were doing a tournament of champions. I'm too stupid for Jeopardy. Why would I watch it? <laughs> they were doing a tournament. That's not true. They were doing a tournament of champions, and one of the contestants, Durov Gower, who uh, had no, in the final Jeopardy had no chance of winning. So Alex Trebek's going through pancreatic cancer right now. Yes. And oh, I did see did, this. And for the his final Jeopardy for his final Jeopardy answer, he wrote, "We love you, Alex." Aww. Which was awesome. That's awesome. That was That's awesome. great. Yeah. And That's Alex nice. Trebek, I think, got really emotional after. Yeah, it, right? he did. He got cho- a lot of people got choked. Got up. choked up. Those people in the audience that said they that said they legitimately got teared up, and Alex Trebek was like, it was really emotional. It was cool. It was really, really awesome. Yeah, that's great. Aww, that's All nice. right, that's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. Absolutely loaded today. We are way over time. Uh, so I apologize for that. Um, but coming up next, I want to clear the air about why we shouldn't be surprised when great players do great things. And that's what we saw last night. That's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, 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 the Haystack Show With Mike Guido Hour number three on a Tuesday Woo! It's The Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer Monica Ray, Big J Journalist, good to have you in Hey here on a Tuesday, absolutely packed today. Top 10 teams in the NFL we had already. We already had uh, Speedy Pedion give us his thoughts on what was happening around the NFL. Uh, big third hour coming up in about 20 more minutes. Uh, we play What Are the Chances? We do it every single Tuesday. Uh, but I do want to begin hour number three with this. I'd like to begin today with a simple question. Why are we surprised when great players do great things? Can we stop pretending to be in shock when we see greatness? And it's usually pretty easy to seek out. If you see something that just looks different, and more often than not, it's repetitive, that means you're, you're watching greatness. If you, if you see it, your eyes are not lying to you. You're, you see it. I read a headline last night that read, Russell Wilson, Seahawks, shock Jimmy Garoppolo, 49ers, and OT for first loss. Why are you shocked by that? This is Russell Wilson. The world shouldn't be shaking with confusion. Okay, I find it very hard to imagine that there are actually football fans that watched last night and went, what? That, doesn't, that just doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. 
It makes perfect sense. Russell Wilson went into San Francisco and beat the undefeated Niners. And I'm not surprised. This is Russell Wilson's eighth year in the NFL. He's officially a veteran and already a Hall of Famer in my book. What Russell Wilson has shown me throughout his career is his ability to elevate his team above expectations with among the best in league history. He's never had all-time great receivers or a great O-line. But the Seahawks have never been in the basement. Have we noticed that? This is why I felt comfortable with the Seahawks giving him $35 million a year. As long as you draft well, he can work with that talent. You don't have to pay guys massive amounts of money. You just draft well and he'll make it work. That's fine. Build your roster good through the draft. Build him a nice defense and he'll succeed. You don't need to spend big money on big guys. He's also shown me that he can win games he's not supposed to win. He's not supposed to win a Super Bowl in his third year and then go to another in his fourth. He's not supposed to win games on the road against undefeated football teams with limited talent on both sides of the football. Also, when he's outcoached. He's not supposed to win the job as a rookie third-rounder over a guy Seattle literally that offseason paid big money to to be their franchise quarterback, Matt Flynn. But he does anyway because he's great. That's what he's done his whole career. I watched the Seahawks win last night despite the fact that I originally picked the Niners to win, and I was saying to myself, that's, that's Russell Wilson. This is what he does. He does things that people think won't happen. So why are we shocked? I get the Niners are uber-talented and extremely well-coached and have a dangerous front seven, and they were undefeated, and they were at home. But we can't act like this is extraterrestrial. We can't act like this is something that we've never heard of. You know, we could say, hmm, well, I thought that I thought the Niners had this one. Guess I was wrong. It happens. But nothing more. We can't say, what in the world just happened on Monday Night Football? I did not see that coming at all. No, you can't do that because we can't be surprised by this. I was thinking about this, too. Can you name a team in the NFL that Russell Wilson wouldn't make better? I, I can't. He, he's an upgrade over everyone's quarterback. He, the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Packers, the Saints, the Texans, all of them. He's an upgrade over all of their quarterbacks. Imagine how good Dallas would be with Russell Wilson. And I like Dak. Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL. I think we can establish that there. Now, there's nobody I trust more with the keys to my Ferrari. Okay, I expect him to take my Ferrari for the night and bring it back cleaner than when I gave it to him. And that's exactly what he does. Big moments, middle of the game, consistency. If I need him to make a big play, I don't trust another quarterback in the league more than I trust Russell Wilson. There is not one. Okay, so Seattle is now 8-2 and and are among the top five or so teams in the NFL. So I'll ask again. Why are we shocked? 
this is protocol for Russell Wilson. You can act surprised, but I'm going to lounge back and nod my head because this is, this is what he does. Russell Wilson does things that he isn't supposed to do. He does things that he, he's great. He goes into San Francisco and beats undefeated teams. This is what Russell Wilson has done his entire career, and that's what makes him the best quarterback in the NFL. Russell Wilson is next level. That's just the end of the story. So don't act shocked by the result last night. Okay, I, I want to shift to this because, you know, here's, here's another question. Why are we taking so long to buy into Lamar Jackson? The guy's clearly a franchise quarterback. After this week, he's now started a full year's worth of games. He made his 16th start against the Bengals this week. In those 16 games, have we noticed this? He's quietly gone 13-3. and three. He lost, He's lost to the Chiefs twice, both on the road, and then at home against Cleveland this year. What more do you want? Oh, Mike, he can't throw the ball. He, he completes 66% of his throws. Thrown, he's thrown 15 touchdowns and only five picks and is in the top 10 in quarterback rating. Oh, but Mike, he can only use his legs. Uh, oh, yeah, that running thing, he's, he's really good at that, too. Did you, did you see that spin move on Sunday? I mean, I was just, oh, my Lord. That was pretty incredible. Incredible. He can't beat good teams, Mike. Come on, he's feeding on the, ba- on the bottom feeders. He just, he just destroyed New England. What are we talking about? I found an interesting set of stats yesterday, and it compares Lamar Jackson's first 16 games to other NFL greats. So... In the first 16 games of their careers, Lamar Jackson has more wins than Patrick Mahomes, more rushing yards than LaDainian Tomlinson, a higher passer rating than Tom Brady, more yards per attempt than Aaron Rodgers, and a higher completion percentage than Drew Brees. Yeah. (laughs) Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Not bad for a running back, huh? I'm telling you, so you're telling me, all right, so best young quarterback in the NFL, most talented guy we've ever seen. Yeah, he wins more than that guy. Hey, wait, one of the best running backs of all time. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got more yards than him. Hey, he's a greatest winning quarterback ever. Yeah, his passer rating's higher. Aaron Rodgers, the most talented guy ever. The, more yards per attempt. He's making harder throws. Uh, wait, Drew Brees, he's so accurate. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, first 16 games, more accurate than Drew Brees. Um... What are we waiting for here? You can tell yourself all you want that the kid isn't good, but you have to believe your eyes, okay? There's no way you can watch Lamar Jackson and not be impressed. He's better in the open field than most running backs and throws a better deep ball than most quarterbacks. Stop trying to outsmart the room. Lamar Jackson is a legit NFL quarterback. Ask yourself, honestly, what will it take to convince you? If you needed him to throw the ball better and more accurate, he's doing that both on the field and in the stat sheet. What else you got? If you want to see him run less, sorry, not going to happen. That's part of it. He's the best running quarterback I've ever seen. Let him use it. 
you and I, now here's the thing. You and I are in agreement that pocket guys last longer in this league. I think if Lamar's arm isn't sustainable, he'll last you until he's about 29 years old, and then he'll start to wear down. Like I said, pocket quarterbacks hit their prime at 30, running quarterbacks exit their prime at 30. But if you can't see this kid's arm developing, I can't help you. That's on you. He's clearly getting more accurate and more poised. He just is. He's more comfortable. He's playing as a leader. And let's be honest. It isn't like he's loaded at wide receiver. (laughs) Look, he has a nice receiver or two. I like Hollywood Brown, but it isn't like he's Baker Mayfield with Odell and Jarvis Landry. He's just, it's not what he's got. He's got Hollywood Brown. He's got Willie Sneed. He's got Miles Boykin. And he's got a couple of tight ends. That's, That's Lamar Jackson's offense. That is. I think Lamar Jackson proved again that he can win a Super Bowl in this league. It's clear as day that he's getting better every single week. And he keeps giving you more reasons to love him. He's a humble kid, and boy, is he fun to watch. He's just unbelievable. Lamar Jackson is just simply unbelievable. I mean, Evan, seriously, that running play, that spin move against Cincinnati this past week, was unreal. Yeah, was, I mean, the kid's just so electric I mean, think, in every way. And the thing is, though, like when I watched it, I wasn't surprised because you knew that's you know that's what his capability is <clears throat> as a runner. You give him yeah. open, free, open space, he's going to take off and run. And again, he's got great protection in the offensive line. It's a very tight end, running back driven offense. Mark Andrews is. I love Hollywood Brown. Mark Andrews is quietly turning into maybe one of the best tight ends in the league. I'm not saying he's up there with Kelsey and Zach Gertz yet and those guys, but, man, he's getting close. This Mark, Mark Andrews is really good, and I love him coming out of college. I love watching him last year. Uh, he, was played, he played really well with both Flacco and Jackson. Now this year he's really blossoming. It's a, he, he's, he's fun to watch, Mark Andrews. But, yeah, when you, they're not going to take away the run with Jackson. It's just never going to happen. You can't. You just can't. I'd like for him to slide, but you just can't take away his yeah. depth aspect of his game. No, it's part of it. And he's, it that's part of him. Yeah. That, and that offensive line gives him so much time in the pocket that he can do what he wants. If he, if he decides to throw it, he can, you know, he'll throw it because he's got plenty of time in the pocket. And, but if he, if he finds a hole that he's going to take off and run, he's going to take off and run. That's just what it's, it's going to be right now. So... It's definitely it's an offense that's driven on the tight end and the running backs and the running game and trying to give Jackson good and trying to let Jackson open it up and throw it when when they have to. And right. that's awesome. And they really did open it up a lot against Cincinnati. I think I think they caught Cincinnati off guard on Sunday because they really came out throwing. First play of the game was a well, 50 yard something bomb. The Hollywood like Brown. I said before, this is the thing that I like about them is they're beating good teams and they're blowing out terrible teams. So they're blowing out Cincinnati. They're blowing out Miami. Like, they're blowing out the terrible teams. And they're beating the good, talented teams. Still, I, I, like, I'm all in on the Ravens. I am all in on the Ravens, and I'm all in on Lamar Jackson. All right. Um, coming up next, boy, we are absolutely loaded today. Uh, we play What Are the Chances? We do it every single Tuesday. Uh, Evan gives me a situation. I give it the percentage chance that it happens. That's coming up next. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, Monica Ray. Good to have you in here on a Tuesday, rainy Tuesday. Before we let you go, uh, we got plenty of stuff to go over today. What are the chances coming up in a couple of minutes? But first, we head over to the news with our Big J journalist, Monica Ray, here on a Tuesday. All right, well... Unfortunately, I have to report that everybody's, I think, heard by now. Charles Rogers from the Detroit Lions passed away at age of 38. They said he had liver disease and cancer. They haven't said too much about his cancer, what type of cancer or anything like that. But Wow. Um, Nobody he, even heard about this until yesterday. Yeah, so it was – he apparently – uh, suffered two collarbone uh, breaks while he was with the Lions, and he yeah. got addicted to Vicodin, and that kind of put him on a downward spiral. And he had he'd been arrested a number of times with right. alcohol-related issues. So very sad to hear that. Lots of people are sounding out um, on social media, uh, offering their condolences. Yeah. He survived by eight children. Eight wow. children. So wow. he was busy in his 38 years. <laughs> Holy crow. I don't know if it's all one woman. That isn't said, but, you know. He's, a, he's from Saginaw, Michigan. He's a Michigan guy. Yeah. He's played for the Lions, too. So always always sad to hear that. Yeah, really. I mean, like, I, I remember when he got drafted that he had issues in the league. I mean, he only played, what, 13? said 15, he had 15, 15 starts. 15 starts in his career. This right. was a former number two overall pick. Right. I mean, that's crazy to me. So, that is beyond yeah, me. Yeah, it's sad when somebody gets addicted to drugs. Yeah, and, you it know, is. It's not, it's not good stuff. Yeah, but, you're right. But um, speaking of not good stuff, guess who's back? Is it our um, biggest diva award, not, uh, award winner? Bingo. So Antonio Brown says yes. he was a little frustrated. He didn't mean that he was really going to quit the NFL. So oh, he is so back now. now. He wants to walk it back. and yeah. Oh. He's been seen uh, Monday. He was training on a football field in Fort Lauderdale. And he also has filed a suit with the NFL's Players Association against uh, the Raiders and the Patriots trying to collect his $40 million in signing bonuses and salary that he feels he earned. So, here we go that again. That he feels he earned. Yeah. I don't, and his... That he feels he earned by frying his feet, complaining about a helmet, getting into a sexual assault allegation, then getting cut twice. Yeah. Hey, you if that's not it. earning, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's right. Not everybody can be Antonio Brown, but then again, who is? And then, speaking of earning, we have uh, Post Malone. Posty just uh, showed the world his love for the Dallas Cowboys by purchasing a $250,000 diamond necklace, which is the Cowboys' star emblem. Wow. And he showed it off this weekend. Well, his dad worked. I think it uh, might actually still work. Works the for the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. Yeah, he's I think a big he's like, Cowboys fan. I think, he's, I think his dad is like the head of vendors or something like that. Like, he's in control of all of, like, the food stands and... And all of, like, the little kiosks and everything. I think Post Malone's dad is, like, pretty seriously up there in the Cowboy organization. Right. As yeah. far as, like, like he's not, like, in the front office, but he's in, like... He's in the thick of it. Right. He's in, Down like, there he's the in like, the sales part of it. Yeah, I think Post Malone's dad, I think, is pretty up there with the Dallas Cowboys. So... So, but, yeah, he's a... You know, even in, uh, even in one of his songs, right? One of Post Malone's... Yes. Uh, Always going forward, never punt. Fourth down. Yep. 
Well, Never. you know, well, you last know. call hair and Mary Press got touched there. Well, Close you know, Post, you didn't have to buy a two hundred fifty thousand dollar cowboy necklace. I would have bought you a little two hundred fifty million dollar you know necklace to buy you a piece yeah. of that cowboy pie right there, Post. He likes and then to I'll spend get, his money, and then I'll get you a nice suite right next to me, guys. Post, to okay? Spend his money. So I, uh, I love Post Malone. Uh, uh, he's he's a great addition to our football oh, team. Uh, and we expect him to get paid. We expect him to be a part of us. Uh, for in the uh, in the long term, that means taking today's pie and 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 subtracting it and uh, subtracting it, adding it, it, adding, adding it up and, again, adding adding more pies to the future. Yeah, well, I, I well, love Jerry Jones. Of Jerry Jones. Um, Michael Bennett clarified in social media, and I guess in, uh, with a reporter that. He was not spoken to by Jerry Jones with right. regards to standing for the national anthem. That yeah, it was actually the players that said to him, "Look, you're a cowboy now. This Cowboys stand. Do. This is what we do." And so far, that's what he's doing. And I like to hear yeah. that because if you can't stand for this flag, then you got to get out of this country. Well, that was part of it. That Done. was part of it. It was very. Um, it was okay. I was I mean, very nervous about my. So far, it's been fine. I was very nervous about Michael Bennett because of the, I didn't know if he would buy into the fact that he has to, that he has to stand. That's what Dallas Cowboys do. That's the brand. And, and if he what? doesn't do that, it doesn't just show me that he doesn't have respect for that. It shows me that he's, uh, this is what he's going to be as a Dallas Cowboy. He's going to be a little bit defiant. He's never going to buy into being one. It, there's a lot that goes into this. Right. Michael Bennett needed to buy into all aspects of it. And so far, it looks so far so good. And you know what? We're just coming off Veterans Day, and I feel strongly about this because I feel like if you can't stand for the flag, then you need to get out of this country. People have died for this flag. We have people overseas putting their lives right. at risk to protect our freedoms here. And right. you're going to disgrace it? Right. Not on my watch. All right. That's the news. By the way, Big Post, J journalist. Post Malone's dad, yeah, works as assistant director of food and beverage at AT&T Stadium. There we go. And his uh, his mother, his mother also moved to Texas to be with her son. They take a close relationship with you guys. But yeah, his father is assistant food and director at AT&T Stadium. Right. All right. Pretty cool, actually. That's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. All right. Yeah, crumple up that paper and just <laughs> throw it at me. Okay. All right. Now you, you got something to throw. Now I have ammunition. <laughs> God, that was terrible. Again. Uh, yeah, so today's just throw stuff at me day. <laughs> All right. That's exactly what this is. All right, so this belongs to you, Monica. <laughs> I did it again. That belongs to you, oh. Evan. All right. Let's do it. We play What Are the Chances every single yeah. Tuesday. Evan gives me a situation. I got to give you the percentage Ooh, chance like that that, that thing does or does not happen. Evan, here we go. Okay, so what are the chances the New York Knicks land both Masai Ujiri and Giannis Antetokounmpo? Both of them. Uh, 15%. I think it could happen, but not really. It's just I don't, I don't see it. You know what I mean? Like, I think they have a better chance of getting Giannis than they do Masai Ujiri. Masai Ujiri is going to be making really good money with the Raptors. I... I Again, he's loved there. There's a lot of faith there. He brought the Raptors a championship. Why would they let him go, first of all? And again, the Knicks would have to blow away the Raptors' number. I don't know. I don't think it's likely. 
what are the chances the Pittsburgh Steelers make the playoffs? Uh, I'll give that like a 25% chance of happening. Again, I'm not in love with the Steelers, but there's no denying it. The Steelers have actually held their own. They're 5-4, and four, which is beyond me, but they're actually winning football games with Mason Rudolph. This is their second straight win. Now they just beat the Rams at home. They, right now, they look pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. Mason Rudolph is winning them games. I, we all thought their season was over without Big Ben. But this is a talented roster. It's a really talented defense. They really have... Minka Fitzpatrick is making all, all the difference in that defense. Five picks since they got him. And they, he's got more touchdowns than Odell. Have we realized that? Minka Fitzpatrick has more touchdowns this season than Odell Beckham Jr. And they get after the quarterback. Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, Casey uh, Cameron Hayward. They get after it. This is a good defense. And... Again, offensively, they draft so well on that side of the football. Mason Rudolph surrounded by talent. So I'm going to give it a 25% chance. I think it's an uphill battle for them. But there's no denying it. They've been playing good football. What are the chances the Seattle Seahawks now, with this win on Monday, win the NFC West? The, the Seahawks win the NFC West? Yes. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go 50-50 on this. I'm going to go 50-50 uh, because I, I still think the Niners are probably the favorite. But Seattle proved yesterday that this is not a 49er-dominated NFC. Seattle's going into the bye. They're going into the bye. They are really hot right now. They have the MVP of the league. I mean, this is a massive deal. I think Seattle could really win this division. Uh, again, we're, we're kind of... I, I, th I think the Rams have no shot. It's really between the Niners and the Seahawks. I, like I said, 50-50 shot. I think it is up in the air for both of them. That's going to be an exciting race to watch. It could, could come down to the last week of the year. Stay in the NFC West. What are the chances the L.A. Rams miss the playoffs? I'm going to say like 75%. I think there's a real chance, and I think it happens. I don't think the Rams make the playoffs. I really don't. That It is really interesting to see this. But the Rams, to me, are not a playoff team. They don't look it. They cannot protect Jared Goff. It's forcing Jared Goff to force himself to make plays when it doesn't exist. He's making more mistakes because of that. They don't run the football particularly well. I just, I'm not in on the Rams. And to be honest, they're a little banged up. So I, I, I'm, I'm out on the Rams. I don't think they're a playoff team. And the NFC is just too loaded for them to get in. So no, I'm out on the Rams. What are the chances Justin Herbert is the number one overall pick in next year's draft? Uh, I don't think so. I, I'm going to give it like a 10% chance. I think it's going to be Joe Burrow. If it's not Joe Burrow, it's going to be two attack of Iloa. As much as I like Justin Herbert, I think he's a phenomenal friend, uh, quarterback that's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Don't think there's much of a chance for him to go number one overall. I think right now Joe Burrow and two attack of Iloa are establishing themselves as the clear-cut Number two, uh, number one and number two quarterbacks in this draft. Go to baseball. What are the chances? There was a report that came out earlier today that the Mets are interested in Dylan Batances. What are the chances the Mets land Dylan Batances this offseason? Jeez. Uh, 30%. I'll give him a, about a 30% chance. I Again, I, I'm just... Part of me really does think that Dylan Batances is going to be a Yankee again. 
I think they're going to get him back on the cheap. I don't think his market's going to be that big. I think the Mets are going to be, I think they're interested in him, but they're interested in him on a certain price because of the injuries. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really do believe that the Yankees are going to be the favorite to get Batances back. So I'll give the Mets a 30% chance, but I do still think that the Yankees are the favorite to get him back. Go back to college football, the SEC title game. If Florida wins the SEC title game, what are the chances they make the college football playoff? Florida? What's Florida's record? I don't know. It's Isn't, not University of Miami. Don't they have two losses? I think three. They have, well, I think they have like two, but I think they have one loss. I know University right. of Miami They have won. two losses. One of them was to Georgia. Uh, one of them was to uh, Georgia, I believe. God, that is interesting. You know, I mean, they'd have to, right? They'd have to. They win the SEC. They got to win. Uh, they have to win a title. They have to get into the playoff. I, I'm going to say like a 65% chance if they win the SEC title. Because, I mean, there's no, they can't put, a, they can't put in a non-SEC champ without putting in the SEC champ, right? They gotta. So actually, you know, I'm gonna up that. I'm gonna say like 90%. Florida wins the SEC title, which I don't think will happen. No, they gotta get past Georgia first, and then we have a loss on Georgia. I don't think it happens, but if it does, I think they get in 90%. What are the chances the Heisman Trophy winner is not a quarterback? Uh, yeah, yeah, 5%. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, I think the only guy that has a shot is Jonathan Taylor. You know, maybe J.K. Dobbins, maybe Chase Young, but not even really Chase Young anymore. I, I would say that the favorites right now are obviously Joe Burrow, who's the clear-cut favorite. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts, I think, are easily the next two. Uh, right now, I think it's Joe Burrow's award to win. I, th- I think it's going to be a quarterback. A uh, very low percentage that it would be anything else other than a quarterback. What are the chances, Patriots-Eagles, Sunday at 4.30 in Philadelphia, what are the chances against it? Now, off the bye week, after the tough performance against New England, what are the chances they hold Carson Wentz to under 210 passing yards and get two interceptions on him, at least two picks on him? Coming off a bye in Philadelphia, Patriots defense. Uh, I'll give that a 50-50 shot. I, I think it's possible. That secondary is really good. Uh, I'm not in love with what Philadelphia has at receiver. No Deshaun Jackson. That It's possible. And to be honest with you, Carson Wentz has not had a fantastic year. He's had a very average year as their quarterback. So I think it's possible. It absolutely is possible. What are the chances either quarterbacks like Justin Herbert, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jalen Hurts, out of those four, what are the chances they land with the Los Angeles Chargers? I, I'm going to give it like an 80% chance. I think it happens. One of those guys is going to be an L.A. Charger. What it sounds like to me right now, I think Justin Herbert is most likely to be a Charger because I think Burrow's going to be gone too early and so will Tua. Uh, and I think Jalen Hurts is going to be a little bit later, maybe second round. So if they're going quarterback in the first round, Justin Herbert looks like he's a good fit. Don't be surprised about Jacob Eason either. What are the chances 
Now the Bills are having a tough loss off there, uh, had a tough loss in Cleveland. They stay on the road to face the red hot, all of a sudden, Miami Dolphins. So what are the chances? Tanking, what the heck is that? What are the chances the Dolphins win their third in a row in Miami? Who, who do they play this the week? The Buffalo Bills. Ah, uh, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's possible, but I don't think it's so. I'm going to give it like a 26% chance. Nothing crazy. I, 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 feel, I still think Buffalo's the better team. A Buffalo, again, going on the road in Miami. Warmer weather. Josh Allen should be a little bit more comfortable. That defense in Buffalo is incredibly good. The, people got to remember, the Dolphins are still really, really bad. I just... Hey, give I would yeah, I would take the Bills in that. Give me like a 25, 26% chance. All right, give me one more and then we'll go. What are the chances the Cincinnati Bengals first win of the season will come against the Cleveland Browns? They they get the Browns two two times the rest of the way. They also get the Jets and they also get the Jets and the Dolphins too. But what are the chances the Bengals first win of the season comes against in either the Cleveland Browns matchups? I'm going to say 40%. I think it probably doesn't happen. At least they're not their first win. Cleveland, I think, could very easily lose to the Bengals. But I do think that Cleveland's too talented to do that. So I'll give it like a 40% chance. Plus the Bengals are, the Cincinnati Bengals are so bad. I mean, they are historically bad. They have the worst defense in the NFL, and then they have one of the worst offenses in the NFL. This is a bad football team. All right. That's what are the chances. We do it every single Tuesday. What are the chances it's not raining out when we leave? Zero. It is <laughs> going The temperature to be outside, out. negative zero degrees. It is just terrible outside and miserable and gray and stupid. Winter. I hate winter. Just for this reason. I've told you this before. Yeah. Weather severely affects my mood. Have you ever been snowshoeing? Snow what? Shoeing. No. It's a lot of fun. Have you, Evan? No. I've, I've never, never even I've been never heard skiing. I've never even heard of it. You've never been skiing? I've never been skiing. I've never heard All of right. I think we need to. Have you been skiing, Evan? Nah. What? I'm not a skier. I, I probably, I'm not I prob- a skier either. I probably right. I think I'm going to take you guys times. for a, a snowshoe spin. I probably my, fall a million my times. My parents used to ski. Skiing is I awesome. I don't I ski. I love to ski. It's fun. You like to ski? I do, yeah. Do you, are you good at skiing? I used to ski all the time. I think there was one winter I skied over 100 days. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great winter. We had a lot of fun. My, my brother used to live in Colorado, so I would go out and visit him. Oh, and yeah, ski. and those mountains and everything? Once you ski out west, you don't even want to ski on the east coast anymore because it's icy and yucky, and you go out there, you can ski in a T-shirt and shorts. Yeah, they'd have to... They'd have to. A bikini let, if they'd you have want. to let me go on. They, they, they'd have to let me go on. What are they called? The bunny hill, or whatever they call it. <laughs> the train, like the training. Yeah, the training part. one where it's like that steep, where you just kind of glide down. Wee. Fre- hey, <laughs> Evan. French fry pizza. French fry yep, that's pizza. It. You know. French it, right? fry pizza. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, that does it for us. Monica Ray, our Big J journalist. She'll be back on Thursday hosting yeah. our MLB postseason award oh my God, show. What am I going to wear? Oh, my goodness. Ah! <laughs> Evan Massa, my producer. I'll wear a jersey. <laughs> I'm Mike Guido. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We will be back tomorrow. We'll see you. Bye. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.